This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, hey, it's Fat Mascara here. I'm Jess. I'm Jen. Welcome, everybody. It's interview day. So, Jen, tell us about Dr. Joya. I will. Oh, Dr. Joya Griffin. She's a pet dermatologist based at the Animal Dermatology Clinic in Louisville, Kentucky. She's an Ohio native. She graduated from Cornell University Veterinarian College. She also did her residency here. This is what's so exciting in dermatology before becoming a board certified dermatologist on the American College of Veterinary Dermatology. I did not even know this was a job. Did you know this was a job? I had no idea. You'd think we would because you have a long haired cat. I have a hairless dog, two dermatologically in need pets. Well, anyway, I discovered her because I watched the show Pop Goes the Vet with Dr. Joya on Nat Geo Wild. It's still on right now if you want to watch it. It's a little bit of like the pimple popper vibe, but also with pets. And she is a delight. So pet dermatologists talk about or work with pets who have skin, hair, nail, and allergy issues. And so that show gets a little gross sometimes. I'm just warning you if you're not into that kind of thing. But Jess and I wanted to have her here to talk about some of the skin and hair issues that can arise with your pets, but also how our beauty practices affect our pets and some of our personal care products. We get questions all the time from you guys about which products that we use might be bad for our pets. So we threw them to Dr. Joya, who knows what she's talking about. Of course, we wanted to just meet her after I saw the show because she just seems like so much fun and she was fun. So everybody, let's welcome Dr. Joya Griffin to Fat Mascara. Thank you so much for coming here, Dr. Griffin. I'm going to call you Dr. Griffin, right? 
Well, for the show, they say Dr. Joya. You can call me whatever you want. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Dr. Joya. Dr. Joya. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming, Dr. Joya. I'm so happy to have you here. We're so happy to hear have you here. Jen and I have been like talking about this episode amongst ourselves. Like we have our own little side questions we want to ask you. And then our listeners, we're going to be throwing in some listener questions here. But this is a really different kind of show for us. We're going to be talking all about pets, pet dermatology. How... Did you become a pet? Well, you're a veterinarian, but how did you Mm -hmm. specialize in dermatology for pets? Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, veterinary dermatology is definitely a little known specialty. And that was one of the goals that I had with the show is just to bring, you know, some exposure to the field. And I basically got introduced to the field when I went to vet school because we had our own pet her name was Gizmo. She was a stinky, crusty Lhasa Apso. <laughs> and uh, she lived in an e-collar for over a year before I was able, mm-hmm. able to take her to school with me. And the first service I went to was the dermatology service. And they were able to make a huge transformation in her life. She was able to come out of her cone. She lived a happy and healthy life for nine additional years and grew a, grew a beautiful hair mm-hmm. coat. And I could see firsthand what that meant for me and my family. And I wanted to be able to do that for my patients. So early on, I kind of started studying more and more about dermatology and really paying attention to that, um, those classes when I was in school. And then after you graduate, a general practicing vet can um, start working right after school. They don't need to do any extra training, but to go into specialty medicine, you have to do a one-year internship followed by two or three-year residency. So I did that. I was lucky enough to get back to Cornell for my residency. And then after completing several different endpoints during your residency year, then you sit a two-year board exam, or excuse me, two-year, that'd be horrible, a (laughs) two-day board exam, (laughs) a two-day board exam, which you have to pass that test, and then you can become a board-certified dermatologist. So that's kind of how it all began. Wow. So uh, Cornell has an amazing veterinary program, right? Yes, absolutely. I've heard heard of it, not that I am so in the trenches there, but I've, I've actually heard it has an amazing program as it's Cornell. But so tell me like, how does a pet, a veterinary dermatologist differ than a regular dermatologist? Like a human one. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, I think we do a lot of the same things, but dogs and cats um, do have a lot of different skin diseases than what uh, humans get. But some of the things are the same. In general, I think like for my own self, I go to my dermatologist for acne Dogs can get acne, but it's a little bit of a different disease than what we get as humans. And so that's not a thing that I treat very commonly. Like I don't just treat dog acne, (laughs) but instead I treat a lot of uh, skin allergies, which in humans, I think they call it eczema. And a lot of people suffer from that or atopy and dogs are affected by atopy. And so are cats and horses and other species. And namely the patient would have itchy skin that would lead to sores and crusts and, you know, hair loss, different infections on the skin. And so that's what you as a pet parent would notice is that your dog or cat is scratching and then they start getting hair loss and then they start, you know, having sores on their skin. And so I do a lot of that. And then I also treat internal diseases that affect the skin. And with the skin being the largest organ in our body, a lot of things that are going on internally and illnesses will manifest in the skin. And I also treat autoimmune diseases, which is really cool. I just diagnosed a piglet with an autoimmune disease, which is insane. Um, I've never seen that before. <laughs> so wow. um, I'm super interested in like trying to figure out if I can help this little piggy. So I was going to ask you, you know, we were, we were talking about, you know, Jen and our, like our pets, you know, I have a cat, Jen has a dog. 
But what other animals do you treat? You just mentioned a pig. Yeah, I treat everything um, in residency training. And as a veterinarian as well, you're trained to be able to treat multiple species. And so I have the ability to treat anything. But for the most part, on a regular daily basis, you're seeing dogs, cats. And I live in Kentucky, so we see quite a few horses. And then, of course, like pocket pets. So that's pretty common. Um, You know, rabbits, guinea pigs, things like that. But I have started seeing a little bit more. I've never heard um, that term, by the way, pocket pocket pets. (laughs) They're little creatures. I've never heard that. (laughs) Little small animals. I was like marsupials, pets with pockets. What's going on? (laughs) I mean, generally, I think that term is... um, like small pets that live in cages. <laughs> like, oh, that's what they call it in the biz. Hamsters, gerbils. Yeah, it's kind of our, okay. our term in the business. A pocket pet. Okay. A pocket pet. Yeah, they don't actually go in your pocket, but they could. <laughs> yeah. When you were in veterinary school and you were learning all the different, to treat all these different animals, is the skin, and this may be a very basic question to you, but is it the same? Like you're able to treat a horse, but a pocket pet, but... Uh, a snake, like, yeah. is the skin, the anatomy the same? Like, why are you, I trust you here, doc, but like, are you, why are you <laughs> able to really treat the skin? I would say fur skin, fur skin is pretty similar. So like dogs, okay. cats, the pocket pets, reptilian skin is different because that's more scale, you know, so different species do have different types of skin, but a lot of the same principles that you would apply to a dog or a cat and sometimes even a human. Okay can apply to to other species as well. They do have very different diseases though. So reptiles in general, um, most of their skin problems are because of husbandry, which is how the pet parent would house or care for the animal. So they have a lot of issues just related to improper handling and care um, as opposed to like dogs and cats. Some of that stuff is more genetic and age related and those kinds of things. As you're talking, I started thinking, you know, We've talked on the show where we talk about, you know, dermatology for humans, <laughs> that yeah. there is a, a shortage of dermatologists in our in the United States. You know, it's like for every X amount of people, there's only one dermatologist and that's a bit of problem and created like um, a, a market like for like teledermatologists, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. With animals, I just have to wonder, this seems so specialized about how many dermatologists do you think there are for animals in the United States? Do you have yeah. an idea? I do. Um, Our College of Veterinary Dermatology is only around 300 people. So in the entire country. So it's a it's a pretty small specialty. In the city of Louisville, there's two boarded dermatologists. And, you know, I book out pretty far. We have some satellites as well. So I work in Lexington and there is not a full time dermatologist there or in Evansville, Indiana, my other satellite. So we book months and months out there because we're only able to go a couple times a month. So there is definitely a shortage. So hopefully exposure to to the show will get more people interested in the field of dermatology and hopefully we'll have um, you know more availability in the future. Do people come to you directly or do you get, is it just referrals from veterinarians? Yeah, that's a great question. We, we do both. So we have referral basis where the general practitioner will send a case to us or people will just hear about us from word of mouth, internet searches from, from watching the show. So, um, we've had, you know, quite a few people make appointments now that they see that a dermatologist exists through, through our television show. 
So what's a typical day like for you? You already named like 12 different animals. And then (laughs) this pig that came in who had like a mystery disease, is that usual? Like you never know what's going to come through the door? Is it just like, here we go again with the dog with fleas or something. You know? <laughs> right, right. I mean, you, you, we don't know. I mean, there's there's some days where it is typical pets that you or I would own, dogs, cats, maybe a rabbit. Um, and then there's days that someone brings their potbelly pig in. So it, it keeps it really fun and varied and exciting. And I love to see the rarer species because it makes me have to put my thinking cap on a little bit and figure mm-hmm. out, you know, how I'm going to treat these animals. Can they tolerate certain types of medications? You know, those kinds of things. So uh, Twinkie was a very special, special little piglet. (laughs) Oh, I didn't, I didn't want to violate the patient doctor privilege and ask about the specific (laughs) patient, but since you offered up (laughs) Twinkie's name, we wish Twinkie the pig well. Usually, usually a lot of pet parents are fine with their, their animal's name being used. She is on our, on my Instagram page and she's super cute. Her dad is the most adorable man. He rescues piggies. And he rescued a piglet and its mama, and mama was pregnant again. So he ended up with another litter. So he just had this litter of six piglets, and one of them, unfortunately, has this terrible skin disease. She's covered from pretty much snout to tail with crusts. Oh, my God. Wow. Now, is that one of the tougher mysteries you've solved? Because I imagine there's a lot of that sort of medical mystery work going on in your practice. Yeah. And I love that word mystery because I think it is true. You know, we do a lot of in-house diagnostics where all you've probably seen on the show where I'll collect samples, look at them under the microscope and try to figure out, you know, are there external parasites or infection that I need to treat? And then when it's not obvious, then we have to go forward and um, do biopsies. So this, this little piglet, we did collect some skin samples and sent them out to the dermatopathologist to try to figure out what's actually causing all the lesions on her skin. Oh, wow. And it's an autoimmune chronic condition, it's, I imagine. It's looking like it's autoimmune, now. which is really weird. And I don't even know if there's any papers out there on this. And she, her, her, her biopsy came back with showing a couple different features of things. So I'm going to treat the more obvious diseases and then see what's left over. And unfortunately, she may be a pig that has to go on some immunosuppressive medication. So I bet you see some of your patients stay with you for years, right? If they have these, like this pig, you're going to see again and again. Do you develop like a rapport with them the same way, you know, I imagine a doctor and human in human medicine or even in in general practice medicine, like your your local veterinarian that does your, you know, whole wellness care for your pet. Um, That's one of the things that I love the most about dermatology is the relationships that I'm able to make. I went into this field because I loved animals, but I'm also a people person and I get a lot of energy from my pet parents. And I um, like to know, you know, where their kids go to school or what they do on the weekends or the trip that they're going on. And, you know, most of my diseases are chronic conditions. And so I do see these patients over and over and over again for the management of the issue. And we do develop close relationships. And I have actually been with my practice for 11 years now, and I'm starting to have patients that are just passing away from old age. And it's really Mm -hmm. sad to lose those animals that you've, you know, grown to love, but it's also sad to lose their, the relationship with the pet parents, because unless they come across another, you know, dermatologic nightmare, (laughs) I probably won't, you know, won't see them again. Like you don't want to have to see them again. You, and you also, you mentioned- 
Right. You mentioned Gizmo, your pet from a while ago that you took care of. Do you have pets right now? I do, yeah. In your house? We have a lot of kids and a lot of pets. Um, I have (laughs) three children and three animals. We have two dogs, a 70-pound mutt breed named Magic, and then we have (laughs) a 20-pound Lhasa Opso. I'm a little bit of a collector. I find a breed that I like and I stick with it. So I have my second Lhasa Opso who's named Guri. And Guri is, he's also allergic, but nowhere near what our family dog was. So he's on immunotherapy, which is Mm -hmm. allergy shots, just like some people might take for allergic disease or like rhinitis and, you know, cat allergies. People go on allergy shots. We do the same thing in animals. So he's on those. And then this summer, we got a new kitten named Donut. And Donut is about uh, nine months old. (laughs) Who named Donut? I feel like one of your children was involved. It was, I think it was the kids. I think it was a little bit me. The crazier the name, (laughs) especially food names are are my favorite. And his breeder name was Duncan. And so we just thought Duncan Donut would be cute. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. So we had a lot of listeners writing because they knew we were going to have a pet dermatologist on. And so I have a couple like just questions and situations for you. But as you were talking about your pets and how much you love them, the first question, I just have to ask this because I see this like more than you would think in New York City, um, be at the dog park and there'll be people that dye their dog's hair, like, you know, or paint their nails. How do you, as a doctor who's like, this is your specialty, how do you feel Mm -hmm. about that? Well, I paint my own nails, so um, (laughs) I love it. I think it's really cute. It's usually little terrier dogs or, um, you know, foo-foo dogs that'll come in with their nails painted. And a lot of our patients come in with like little sweaters and clothing. And I just think that's so adorable. Um, Okay, you're okay with that. Oh, I love it. Fancy bow ties. And I don't dress up my current pets because my big dog is wild and my little dog hates clothing. So if you put him in a sweater, he gets clothes paralysis and he'll like go and sit under a chair and feel embarrassed that you put him in something. So um, (laughs) Halloween was always a big time for us to dress him up and he would literally crawl somewhere so he could be hidden because he didn't like the clothing. (laughs) So. Oh, poor thing. Okay. But like health wise though, it's not bad for them to get their nails painted or whatever. No, the nail painting isn't, there shouldn't really be any issue with that. As far as like the hair dyeing, I mean, that's that's a little extreme. I mean, you see a lot of people who will do like poodle, you know, dye poodle hair and there's yes. even competitions where they cut their, grow their hair coat out really big and then cut designs into their hair coat and spray paint it. As long as it's non-toxic, you know, it's probably fine, you know, and it's not creating okay. issues, but we don't see a lot of that in Kentucky, but we do see definitely the bows and the clothing and the nail, the nails. <laughs> well, you've got to come to the dog park in New York. Yeah, for sure. A lot of of bright colors, pinks, purples. My next door, my old next door neighbor had two little dogs and they were, they looked like they were, should be in like the Harajuku district. They had all this amazing, crazy color hair and it was cool. But I did wonder about the health and safety aspect for the dogs. But okay, you're given the green light. Okay. As long as it's (laughs) non-toxic. Yeah, as long as it's non-toxic. Thank you for that caveat. Okay, so- We, you know, obviously Jen and I see a ton of beauty products every day, but like, you know, it's not unusual for us to get like, you know, a delivery that looks like it's a really beautiful luxury product and it's for an animal. It's for, you know, it's a dog bath product. All the time. Yeah. It's a doggy shampoo or even, you know, like like wipes for the little dog paws, special soaps. and. Even, and I'm kind of like jumping forward a little bit because I'm really skeptical about this as a cat owner, even products for 
cats, which I feel like cats, like they are self-cleaning, you know, ovens. Like why, what is your whole thought on this? Do we need this kind of product? I think a lot of the -the over-the-counter products that claim to, you know, add nice fragrance or soft coat for your dog or cat. I mean, I think those things are fine as long as they're um, not irritating to your pet skin. And I would say the average dog and cat doesn't need anything super fancy or special. You know, the biggest thing as a pet pet parent is to, you know, make sure that their nails are clipped, you know, frequently so they're not growing too long. And then like typical grooming. So if you have a long haired dog, those are dogs that generally need to be groomed a few times a year, at least to keep their hair coat, you know, clean and and maintained without matting. But as far as you using like a, a wipe at home that has a fragrance in it, you know, to clean the skin or clean the paws after you come in, I mean, those things are okay. You know, you probably don't necessarily need something super fancy for your dog, but it makes yeah. us feel good. And I think sometimes those things are nice because of the fragrances that they have. Now, what about cats? Because I'm always like, come on, like cats, there's so many, okay, there's so many videos of like on TikTok of like cats in a bath. And I'm like, I feel like this is doing a disservice to like the cat species because most cats (laughs) don't like to be in a bath. Maybe these cats on TikTok like to be in a bath. So (laughs) now I'm seeing like cat products, like people like trying to put cats in a bath. Cats don't want to be in a bath. The average cat does not want to be in a bath. There There are some that can be bathed and they like it. And I would say, say if you had... The only reason that I really see to bathe a cat is if it's a cat that poorly grooms itself. So a lot of times these are cats that get a little chunky. Oh, you're correct. (laughs) As it came out of my mouth, I'm like, exactly, doctor. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. It's so true. (laughs) (laughs) They do. I mean, you know, if this is I'm thinking of myself dunking my cat's ass, like who like crapped all over herself. I know. And they get like, clumps of poop around their tail. I mean, those cats, yep, yes, yep, yep. they need to be groomed if they're not doing th- doing it themselves. Um, and sometimes cats, as they get older, they're just, their skin start, their skin and their hair start to get a little flaky. Like those are cats that can be bathed, yeah. but they don't all love that. And so we do have therapeutic products that are medicated that you can apply as a mousse, which most cats mm-hmm. will let you, you know, foam a little mousse in your hands and rub that on the coat without oh, having to like, it's like immerse yeah. the cat in the bathtub, you know? So there, there are different products that are helpful. I was not aware. Yeah. That don't include actually putting your, your cat in the tub. <laughs> so now here's another, well, yeah, there was a, there's a really funny video and thank God this cat, like, you know, didn't claw her face off, but Jennifer Garner has this video of her cat who is a long-haired cat, like my cat, who got got some poop on the back of her butt or his butt. And this happens with long-haired cats. And I I, I go through this with my cat. And she has to, she has this beautiful kind of like farm sink. And so she's able to like dunk the cat like in a very kind of streamlined way. Because like, if I have to deal with my cat who won't go near water, it's like a whole like, you know, it's like a, it's like a skit, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I have to like run around the house and try to do this. But she dunks the cat in the water and it's like, you can't, you just can't get cats in the water like this. But anyway, with cats and like cleaning them and any kind of products, I've always been extremely wary of anything that has an essential oil. Is this a myth or no? Essential oils, pets. Like I hear it's a big no-no. So uh, tea tree oil or malaleuca oil is poisonous in cats if they ingest a large amount. So because Mm. cats are grooming animals, 
Um, it's not the safest product to use in cats. Okay. You know, so there, there are certain products that can be poisonous like that. Tea tree oil is very common in over-the-counter topical treatments because it's antimicrobial. Okay. And if you guys are familiar with MRSA, that really resistant bacterial infection that people get on the skin, yes. dogs and cats can get a similar um, canine version of a methicillin resistant staph and tea tree oils is useful for that. But I don't use it a whole lot because there are other other products that you can use, but you'll find that a lot in over-the-counter and, and you should use it with caution in cats for sure. Interesting. Now, what about candles? Candles are, have a lot of different oils. So yeah, like our don't products. like to burn candles. Yeah, around pets. Besides the the fire safety issue, just like right. that's a, that's the obvious, you know, no, you know, nine one one moment. Yeah. But like that, the fumes. I think for the most part, in a pretty well ventilated place, a, a burning candle is not going to be much issue to a pet. But I have heard of those diffusers that diffuse, you know, a room with essential oils that sometimes those can be harmful just because the, the oils are so strong and certain, especially like the Malaluca oil in cats, like that's the one that comes to mind that's um, a little bit could be dangerous in a cat. But the candles should be okay. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. everyone, it's Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how Aloe Moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings, or even just like a bad day, is to hop on AlloMoves.com and reset. Allo Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. 
Alamoves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on alamoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Alamoves. Join the community on alamoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's alamoves.com code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's alamoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's highest hair is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Any other surprising human products that like we should know, like be careful with your toothpaste around your guinea pig or like, you know, we have all these personal care products that we talk about all the time on the show, like cleaning products. I never really check everything to make sure it's dog safe because I assume he's not going to go near it if it's not good for him. Mm -hmm. But any others you've seen in your practice that you worry about? Contact uh, hypersensitivities can occur. And that's where like, if you put some sort of cleaning product that may be harsh or maybe okay for us, but if a dog walks directly on that afterwards, sometimes they can get irritation on their foot pads and around the feet. Mm. I would say in general, if you're going to use any kind of cleaning product, just let, let it dry. And once it dries fully, the pet can go back on to that surface again. But like, you know, bleach or things like that can be irritating to our skin. And it would be expected that it could be irritating to a dog or cat skin as well. There are a lot of things in a house that are poisonous to animals, but most of those are if they ingest them. So, but like, for instance, you know, some of our cosmetic products, like I use a salicylic face wash, yeah. Those types of products are generally very strong. And even for human skin, you know, if you put that on your skin initially, you have to kind of get used to the, the you know, how drying and irritating that product may be. And for an animal, their pH is very different than ours. So using our cosmetic products on your dog or cat, if they had a skin issue, 
is very discouraged because you just, a lot of times it's too harsh. And even though um, some of the prescription pet products may have those ingredients in them, it's usually at a much lower concentration than what we would put on our skin. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. I noticed on your TV show, like there's a lot of bumps and nodules. Yes. And even like, you know, anybody who's a pet owner knows there's there's bumps under the skin of their pet when they're petting them. How do we know? We've had dermatologists, human dermatologists on the show mm-hmm. explain when a mole needs to be checked out by a specialist or like a bump. Mm-hmm. What about for a pet? How do you know when it's time? Like, okay, this is something that needs to be seen. Yeah, I think honestly, anytime that you see something or feel something on your pet that's bothering you, it's always a good reason to at least bring it up to your veterinarian. Even if you're just there for a nail trim or for the routine vaccines, just let them take a look at it so you can have their eyes on it. I would say that 90% or more of skin tumors in dogs and cats are benign, but if a tumor is growing very rapidly, and I tell my pet parents, that means if it's doubling in size in a month, if it starts to discharge fluid or pus, if it Mm. ruptures open, um, Mm. if it is a mass that's bothering them. So sometimes tumors are small, especially in little fluffy dogs as they get older. They get a lot of kind of warty looking masses yeah. on their skin and they are generally benign, but they can be in areas where the dog will bother them. So they'll scratch at them or they'll chew at them. They'll try to bite them off and then that creates infection and pain. So if it's bothering the pet, just have it taken Ooh. off or at least looked at. And and some of these tumors can get secondarily infected. So then you end up with infection on the skin because of a, a mass that's there. So, but if it's getting very big, if it's changing in color, if it used to be soft and now it's hard or it used to be hard and now it's, you know, fluid filled, those are always um, good reasons to just have a veterinarian take a look at it and decide, you know, if it's something that should be taken off or not. And one thing, you know, for us, I mean, my little dog had a few bumps on his skin that I was watching and I was pretty confident that they were benign. But when I had him under anesthesia to have his teeth cleaned, I just went ahead and took those off. So that's something that you could ask for as well. You know, as a pet parent is just Mm -hmm. say, Hey, I'm having this routine dental cleaning or this routine other procedure or even elective procedure, like say they're getting their knee done, you could mention, oh, well, there's also this bump there that's been bothering me. Could you take it off? And in my opinion is if you're worried enough to take a mass off, you should just go ahead and send it out and make sure that it's not cancerous. Even if it looks normal, it's it's still a good idea to know for sure. That makes sense to me. And I'm also curious about like, speaking of like outsourcing and when to go to the experts, a lot of people outsource the dog grooming, or even sometimes with a long-haired cat, if there's matting issues, mm-hmm, they might mm-hmm. outsource that. How do you find a reputable place? Like, do you have any like tips for people? Because there's so many and it, there mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be like a licensing system, at least here. Uh, I think that, well, I, yeah, I think most groomers do have to have some training and licensure, but, you know, the biggest thing that I've always done, and some of it is also, if you have a certain breed and it's supposed to look a certain way, the skill level can vary from groomer to groomer. So if you have, you know, I don't know, a poodle and you want it to be in a perfect poodle cut, a lot of times it's just finding a friend or someone else that has that same breed and the dog looks good. So you already know that they know how to cut the the dog. Same with like a hairstylist, right? With with like your hair. (laughs) I mean, honestly, a lot of the groomers that I've found locally for my own pets have been through word of mouth. And, you know, even my, you know, my pet parents that come in, I say, oh, your dog looks great. Who grooms your dog? You know, so a lot of it's just asking and then, you know, figuring out what works best for your family. So there are mobile groomers that are around. And for some dogs with high anxiety, that works really well for the groomer to come to your home 
and and do the dog there. Or there's facilities where, um, for instance, like our dog goes in for an appointment. And so he's groomed. He doesn't have to stay there the whole day. Can we talk about cats a little bit? Because while, you know, I actually have sent my cat many times to get groomed. She has long hair. I've had two long-haired cats now. Long-haired cats are a whole different, a whole different story. Yeah. Yes, they, they definitely can be. I've had my last cat. Actually, both of my cats are long-haired. Maybe I have a thing for long-haired cats too, now that I think of it. But my last cat, it wasn't that he got matted. We tried to keep up with that by, you know, brushing him on a frequent basis, but his hair was so fine and kind of rabbit-like that it would shed everywhere. And in order to keep the peace with my husband, when we first got married, I would shave him into a lion cut. And so he would just have the tail and the head and the feet left and the majority of the hair on the body was shaved. And so that helped keep a lot of the, the hair down in the home. And of course, if you have a cat that's prone to matting, that would be very helpful too. But the skin is is an issue. When we've got both of our cats, um, they were older and they were a rescue situation. The mats were very bad and yes. the skin underneath. And I think a lot of people don't realize, I mean, you, you certainly realize, but like if people don't take care of the mats, this is, there's a problem underneath with the skin. Yes, absolutely. So what happens is, and this can happen in, you know, long-haired dogs as well. If you, if you don't keep their coats up and they're not being brushed or cared for properly and their hair grows too long and starts to mat, it will actually trap moisture to the skin and Mm. they can end up with bacterial infections and open sores underneath Mm. the mats. So usually when it gets that severe, it's better to take them to either a groomer or to your family vet and have them do a, a clip and clean for you because you trying to remove it will probably create more trauma to the skin than yeah. having a professional do it. Yeah, she needed, a, both of them needed medicated baths. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, that, and a medicated bath and a, and a cat is safe for, for both parties. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. cats yeah. like to slice and dice when they're upset about water. So for sure. um, that keeps yeah. everybody safe. Yeah. I, now, I, and I... I promise this isn't like me and Jess just asking you every question about our own pets, but like other people have asked these as well. No, I love so I it. have one <laughs> and it does pertain. That's Wolfgang back there. I don't know if you can see him. No, let me see him. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got he his coat on right now because oh, okay. <laughs> he's on the pillow. Wolfgang. I see him. Oh my God, he just popped up. He heard, he heard his name. <laughs> he is hairless. So when I first got, when in, when it's uh, winter, he's like a pinky beige. And then in the summer, I noticed last <laughs> summer, he got like dark brown and freckled. And he's so some people- a sweet tan. <laughs> yeah, he gets tan. <laughs> is it a Chinese crested? He is not. He's part rat terrier. And the rat terrier gene, I did one of those like gene oh. things. And I guess there's a special type of rat terrier that's hairless and he's got the recessive gene for that. He, he's- <laughs> He's a special, special Aww. creature. Anyway, people notice this on Instagram. Of course, everybody's giving you their opinion. He needs sunscreen. So we asked our vet and they really didn't know if he needed sunscreen or not. What's your opinion on that? I do think that hairless animals, if they spend a lot of time in the sun, that sunscreen is a good idea because yeah. hair and hair in animals is protective. And that's what keeps a lot of them from mm-hmm. getting sun damage. Um, the quintessential breed that is more prone to skin cancer um, and little sunspots is the American Staffordshire Terrier and and pit bulls that are very thinly haired and light 
colored oh, yeah. hairs. So like a white pit bull or Staffordshire Terrier, they get little sunspots mm. because of sun exposure. And so in California, wow. a lot of um, our pet parents will buy these sunsuits that are sun protective little outfits that you can get um, that helps to keep their skin <laughs> protected. And they're really cute. <laughs> That's adorable. So, a sunsuit. I hadn't thought, yeah, yeah, like with the kids now, like instead of dealing mm-hmm. with sunscreen, a lot of parents just put the wetsuit or the, like the thin one on like a exactly. sunsuit. Exactly. And they, they do have those for dogs. If you did use sunscreen, you typically want to apply it every couple hours, um, between the hottest hours of the day, which generally is between 10 and 4 PM. Um, and I usually recommend a waterproof SPF that's 30 or greater. There are products that are available that are marketed towards animals, but for the most part, they contain the same ingredients that you or I would use. So um, you do want to be careful if it's a zinc containing sunscreen, if it's in an area that he could ingest a lot of it because high doses of zinc in dogs can cause anemia, but it would have to be fairly high doses, but just to be safest, it's it's better to avoid zinc containing sunscreen. Is that anything to worry about? Like say I lube up in zinc sunscreen myself and I have a liquor like in my family, a little dog that like, you know. I suppose you know. it would. I think once, and zinc is like, that's so thick, right? Like it's more of a barrier yeah. um, type of sunscreen. So it doesn't exactly get absorbed into the skin. So your your pet could potentially ingest quite a bit off, but I think the likelihood is probably pretty small. You know, the amount You know, there's ingest, like those pets out there that have like a weird... Obsessive, like there's the one pet compulsive. that just, yeah, a little bit. I just, I just, I can hear one of our listeners being like, oh, you don't know Rufus. He's like, a, you know, he gets He's really into licking. Yeah. I mean, I think if that, if that scenario is the case, then I, I would probably just avoid it and use a different Be type of Be careful of the zinc. I didn't know that was mm-hmm. bad for dogs. Okay. So one more Wolfgang question, then we'll move on to generics here. He also gets a lot of blackheads. Whoa. Yeah. He, he gets blackheads. I mean, he has no hair, so I can see everything. And sometimes when we're having cuddle time, like if there's one that's like works its way to the surface, I'll like squeeze it out. He does not seem to mind. Like it feels like a very much like the pack would groom him if he had a pack kind of thing. Is that bad for him? Should I just like keep my hands off Wolfgang? It's impossible if you're a picker to not pick things off of your pet. So I totally understand the guilty I mean, pleasure in that. <laughs> mm-hmm. As long as you're not creating a lot of inflammation. So just like us, if you go to your esthetician and she's like squeezing, squeezing and nothing's, it's not ready to pop, then you can create yeah. a lot of inflammation and irritation there. So, you know, it's probably best not to do it, but if their blackheads are easily coming out, then I think it's fine. Oh, they're easy and they're oh, very yeah. satisfying, but I'm going to, yeah. I, I try to... I try to curb my... It's so hard. It's so hard. If he gets a lot of those blackheads, um, and a lot of it's because he is hairless, you could try a medicated shampoo that has benzoyl peroxide in it. Those are really good for clearing out blackheads um, or something that has salicylic in it. And there's a couple, there's lots of brands that are out there, but there's a couple that I like. I mean, this is my, like what I do for humans, I would know exactly what to do. But you know, when it's a pet, that's why you have you here to tell us yeah. what's good and not. I I also have to ask, there's a tendency when we're humans, like we have a scratch, we put on some, you know, ointment or a skin protectant or, you know, whatever it is, a petroleum jelly. If a mm-hmm. cat, a dog, a guinea pig has a scratch or an irritated spot, should you put something on it? Yeah, I mean, I think if it's, you know, say they scratch themselves on something or scratch themselves, you know, through grooming or something like that, you can use, you know, just clean the area with a mild antibacterial soap, um, just like you would use. And then you can leave it alone. Or if you feel like you need to put something on there, you could put Aquaphor or Vaseline, another petroleum jelly on there, or a triple antibiotic ointment is fine in a little focal area that totally works fine. 
I really am glad I asked you then because he's got like, yeah, like dry spots from the ice and the snow and he has to wear his little snow suit. So I was like, I would really like to put some Aquaphor on here, but I'm not going to do it without asking if I'm allowed. (laughs) I love Aquaphor. It's a great barrier cream and it's moisturizing. A lot of dogs in the winter will also get like that dry nasal hyperkeratosis where they have, you know, you guys have probably noticed that before, just like this frosty, thick, yeah, skin on the nose. And Aquaphor is great for that. Before we before we finish up, are there any other surprising things that people should know about their pets when it comes to their skin, their fur, their nails? Also, I want to ask you, some people, I see dogs sometimes just kind of like itching a lot or doing, you know, that yes. thing where... Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk kind of, about allergies. You know, where they're, where they're just, you know, taking their paw and like kind of smacking their little chins. Yeah. And sometimes I look at, I'm not a dog owner, but I wonder, <laughs> or even with a cat, I say... When is too much too much? When is too much too much? And that's an excellent question. Thank you. I say get get thee to a vet. Yeah, I think, you know, we always ask the pet parents on a scale of one to 10, how severe is your dog with 10 being very severe? And if you think that, you know, your dog only scratches maybe at a one or a two, that's probably normal. Just like us, like everybody has a scratch here or there, right? Um, But if they're spending a good proportion of their day scratching and it starts to seem like they're uncomfortable or if they're developing hair loss, redness on the skin, an odor to the skin, and you know they're up in the middle mm-hmm. of the night scratching, then, then to me, those are animals that probably do have something going on, whether it's that they have an underlying allergy or you know, some sort of infection or autoimmune disease. You know, usually there's something else that's going on. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. And cats, I mean, they groom, right? But they shouldn't groom to the point where they have bald patches on their skin. So if they're grooming and then your cat has no hair on its belly or patches of hair loss on the front legs because it's just grooming and grooming, then that is considered over-grooming. They should never groom to the point of being bald. Over-grooming. You know, it's, this is kind of, it's like related, but not, but it's still related. It's like my cat's breath smelled like fish, fishy, but both times. The, my cat Janetta, R.I.P., and my cat Farina. Both of them had fishy breath when we first got them. And I was uh. like, mm, fishy, ooh, like, you know, fish breath. And I just thought it was kind of like, the, you know, they, they had that cat smell. And I was like, wait, no, this kind of stinks. Yeah. And I sent, that, that happened with Janetta. Brought her in immediately, immediately needed that day 13 teeth pulled. She oh, had yeah. such bad mouth decay. They were like, this is a situation. And the Mm -hmm. same thing with Farina. When we got her, she had that breath. I knew something was up and it was the same kind of situation. And it's like, I think a lot of people think that like, oh, it's dog breath or it's like funny, fishy cat breath. Like they Mm -hmm. love, you know, cat food, whatever. And it's like these things that we take for not for granted, but these, these false associations with like cat scratch or dogs Mm -hmm. have dog breath. Like, no, it's about like looking deeper and like thinking that's actually not normal. I'm it's so I'm normal, just glad yeah. that you've said that. So yeah, naked belly, always scratching. Do you call those hot spots also on cats? They can be hot spot spots if they start to have an open sore, and the cat created mm-hmm. it. So if she's you know licking oh. and licking to the point where you have like an erosion on the skin or a little red raspberry area. That's where it would be considered a hot spot. If they're breaking out in rashes, cats also, cats are very interesting creatures because when they have allergic skin disease, they develop 
these plaques on their skin and this whole complex called eosinophilic granuloma complex. But cats do things with allergies a lot differently than dogs. And so they're, they are very interesting creatures, but they'll develop spontaneous sores on their skin that the cat actually didn't cause, but it's related to an underlying allergy. So it's, it's kind of cool, not cool for the cat, but it's a very interesting thing that they do when they have skin issues. Wow. Before we let you go, we have a little speed round, but I realized we talked a lot about cats and dogs. What's like the most interesting? I I know you've seen a pig recently. What else have you seen in your practice? Well, on episode episode two of the show, I see a 24-pound king cobra. Um, That was probably one of the most breathtaking animals that I've ever treated in my life. That was super fun. I ended up taking some masses off of his skin and being able to suture reptilian skin. I mean, it's so just cool. really cool. You have to kind when of- When you do surgery, I'm always like, oh, yeah. that, it's, and then she's like, it's take neat. out things and weigh them. I am always oh, yeah. one the to guess the weight. The weighing is really fun. Yeah, it's like that puppy <laughs> surprise game, right? You're like, how many puppies are in here? It's like, how much does this weigh? <laughs> the snake was a, a really amazing animal. I also, we see a few of the, the zoo animals. And about a year ago, I got to treat a, a polar bear um, wow. that was super cool. Uh, we also have a Jaguar that we treat at our zoo in Indiana and, um, any of those kind of neat exotic species is, is always super fun. So, wow. Is there another specialty for like exotic veterinarian dermatology, you know, like with a regular veterinarian? So I like, correct. There's, there's no subspecialty for dermatology and exotics, but there are exotics veterinarians. And so they, um, go on to do special training, usually after vet school, to do um, zoo and wildlife animals. So it's a a super uh, niche type of specialty. Still, how fun to treat a polar bear. It's very cool. Okay, before we we let you go, we have a little speed round, which we like to do at the end of our show. So I'm going to take you through them. Okay. What's the best pet name you've heard at your practice? (laughs) That is a hard question. Waffles? Twinkie was good. I liked Twinkie. Twinkie was a pig. What was Waffles? Waffles was a dog. Waffles is a dog. Um, anything that's like super cutesy and and food named, I think I love. I like that. Okay, what's your favorite TV show other than Pop Goes the Vet? <laughs> favorite TV show? Oh my God. Okay, my guilty pleasure television show is Big Brother. I love it. I've seen almost oh. every season. I love <laughs> Big Brother. I want to be on there. Um, if you're listening, Big Brother. <laughs> I was just going to say, you would be great. I like, but all right, let's put this. You already have your media reel. It's your TV show on Nat Geo. So they'll see you and, you know, bring you on. I, my I, my family says I can't disappear for three months. So I'm not sure if I they'd let me go for that long. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize it was that long. That's funny. If you're good, you it is. <laughs> well, right. If you if you keep, uh, if you you keep stay, around. Right? <laughs> What's your favorite beauty product for yourself? And please be specific. Okay. I love, can I pull it out because I can't remember the of name course. of it? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I would love nothing more. Since I'm traveling, it's right here in my bag. It's my eye cream. Um, it's supposed to help with fine lines and wrinkles around the eyes and puffiness. Lumiere? And, can you see oh, it? It's oh. called Lumi, Lumiere. 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 Oh, and, and do you is, like it? Do you think it does all that? Um, you know, I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I will say Neocutis is one of those brands that dermatologists that come on our show, human dermatologists, often recommend. So I feel like you're yes. you have good you have good taste. Good. Dr. Joy, if you've had a stressful day with your patients, 
the pets or their human owners, who I'm sure are also <laughs> stressful. How do you like to relax at the end of the day? I, I love to, so my day is really hectic, right? So I come home and we're very busy. And then I come home and I come straight home to momming. And then my husband comes home maybe around 8, 8.30, you know, several hours later. And, you know, one of the things that I love to do is to work out when I get home. I feel like it's a really good stress reliever. And then finally, when the kids go to bed, I hole away in the bedroom and I listen to either an audiobook or I watch an episode of something brainless. And I feel like that helps me kind of decompress at night. I bring it back down to like normal. Yes. What's the, what normal. audiobook are you listening to right now? Right now I'm reading a book called, I think it's called The Mother-in-Law. It is The Mother-in-Law. And it's by a, an author called Sally Hepworth. It's an Australian book. I mostly listen to my books because if I were to try to read at night, I would fall asleep. So I'm a big it. Audible fan and I'm in a book club and... Um, I can't always attend the book club, but I always try to stay up with the reading and we have a lot of fun going over these books and they're nothing serious usually. They're a lot of mysteries and fantasy. What are you doing when you're listening to the audiobook? I, well, I wash my face <laughs> and then, you know, I stare at myself in the mirror and decide how, you know, what things I accomplished well and didn't accomplish well. You know, that moment where you're just like looking at yourself like, wow, mm -hmm. that was a day. And then um, I just like kind of crawl into bed, listen to the Audible book while I'm trying to empty out my email and, you know, I got just it. get ready, yeah. like simmering down. <laughs> simmering down. Simmering um, down. Okay, last question. If you were an animal, what would you be? I would definitely be a house cat. I've thought about this many times. I mean, house cats have the best absolute life. Like they're well taken care of. They can just lay wherever they want. They can come and go. They can love you when they want to. When they don't want to, they can, you know, go somewhere else. It's the best. Cats are the best. I'm also a Leo. So I think that I am a house cat already. <laughs> okay. I like you went with both like personality wise, but also like they get the, I mean, they're living the life. They don't even have to feed themselves at this point. The best so life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. I learned a lot. Thank you so much for, for coming on Fat Mascara. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for having me. It's been a great pleasure. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product with you or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. 
Ritual's Highest Hair is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com slash covered.